This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusader for law. Hey everybody, welcome to Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today by Scott Snyder. Uh, thank you so much for being here again, Scott, man. Uh, pleasure, dude. I really appreciate that you will come to me and just be like, hey, you want to do a show? And I'm like, dude, I'm thinking that all the time. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it was a blast. Yeah, I had such a good time with you last time, and I was like, I've been looking forward to doing it again. I felt... Last time it was warm out. I was like ready. I, could, I was outside. I think even this time it's like snowing as we speak out here. So I'm hiding in the basement where yeah. it's like nice and warm away from my kids. But no, I, I love doing them, dude. Anytime. Of course. Well, thank you very much, man. Um, so we got a lot to cover, uh, kind of in terms of like what you've got coming out. Uh, I know we definitely want to plug and talk about your new arc on Justice League 19. Sure. Uh, first of all, uh, Jorge Jimenez's art. Oh my god! Holy shit! <laughs> I know this dude. I, also, like he's so funny because I met him a couple of years ago. I saw his art when he was starting on Super Sons and a couple other things, and realized like I wanted to work with him. And um, you know, I got in touch with him, and then got to know him through a few cons. And not only is he like one of the nicest guys and one of the most talented, but he's also like unequivocally the most handsome person in all of comics. You know, I've never seen a picture of him. I have to assume, dude knows. Dude finds the beauty in everything. It would stand to reason that his like. His visage is that of like that. He is Adonis. Superman. He is like he is basically like a Spanish Superman. Uh, he lives in 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 Spain. He's incredibly social and wonderfully personable, and we've become really good friends. We have like the way I like to work. You know, I get to know an artist first, and then see if if we click as people. And and honestly, like the goal is always to try and develop a relationship that's going to extend beyond the book that you're on. Right. So Jorge. We're already talking about creator own stuff post Justice League, and we share a lot of interest. He turned my whole family onto uh, manga, which you know I've always read intermittently. I'm like the first old generation, like Akira and Battle Angel Alita, right. and you know all that stuff, and and all the kind of anime of like Macross and that stuff. But mm-hmm. he turned my kids on to like uh, My Hero Academia, and now they're reading Naruto and you know everything. So. Right. We've become really close, but what I can't say enough good things about him. And, and one of the things that impressed, like, anybody watching this is, like, the dude just has an inspirational energy about him. Mm. He, he, you know, he posts, like, he posts a lot. Of, every time I, like, send him something, and I, like, I love this page or how are you doing, I always get, like, an amazing uh, picture of him, like, in a tank top where he's, like, strong, bro. He's, like, <laughs> you know, and it just motivates you when I'm, like, wiping the shit out of my eye at, like, 6 in the morning. And I'm, like, all right, this guy... He's getting me up. We're gonna do this together. We're 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 superheroes today. Yeah. So he's a great guy to follow, and um, you know, he did the first arc, and then he did issue nine. But if you think about the span, he's actually been working on this arc ever since then. So oh. he wanted to do six issues consecutively to make one big book, like our most kind of epic arc that we could do so far. Totally. On the book, where he was the artist throughout the whole thing, and so um, he's been waiting to explode. He's up to issue. He's doing issue twenty four right now. Shit out of 25 so this will be holy me and him there'll be one legion of doom with francis manipal in the middle with which i can't wait for you can't guys argue to argue with that <laughs> oh, dude, we just went to the knicks game together and he was showing me the pages we're doing creator own together too so I, I i i i really is like i don't know how to um impress upon people enough that like if you're an aspiring writer out there or you're aspiring creator too like 
develop relationships with your artists because just doing the book you're on is half the fun. When you get to know them and you see what their interests are, it sparks creativity for you. And for me, I made up a creator own just for me and Jorge based on the stuff that we love talking about. And, yeah. you know, same Francis and I are doing, are going to do one. This is all like crazy spoiler stuff, but you know, the idea is to, to cultivate relationships over time and then you get the best out of your artist and the best out of yourself. And this issue, honestly, like 19, as much as I'm crazy proud of what we've been doing on justice league, the first arc, second arc, I was in metal brain. I wanted to show you everything that we were going to do. Then I slowed it down a bit. Now this one really is kind of, I think the best, the best sort of blend of both where it's deeply emotional, but also crazy with like Mr. Mixtaplik and yeah. Batmite is in it, all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's art. funny. I was, uh, one of the things I was thinking about asking earlier was um, like, is, are we going to see Batmite? But I, having read issue 19, there is like a, a, a casual like line about Batmite, you know, like I follow Superman, the other guy follows Batman. I'm like, okay, well, I know we're going to see at oh yeah that's... you might you might you will spoiler you will, <laughs> you will. That's um awesome. but yeah it's it really is like so what this arc's about just to give people a hint like if they want to pick it up sure i'm not I, honestly i like i swear sal like i get on this to be like i'm gonna talk to sal and talk comics like i don't come on to hawk my stuff but yeah. um this happens to be a moment when i am really excited about the stuff we have coming up here and other stuff i can spoil for you too totally but um it's a uh, it's an arc that I wanted to design as something that anybody who has not been reading Justice League can come in and just see uh, that it's the fun of the series, the kind of bombast of the series, but not feel excluded by the stuff that's happened so far. And yet at the same time, if you have been reading the series, this arc is key. It really is like one of those things that everything that we've been building towards is revealed at this point, Ooh. and all of it kind of comes into play. So this arc, what it's about is... At this point in our series, essentially, the superheroes have realized that Lex Luthor and the Legion of Doom are secretly unlocking this cosmic goddess named Perpetua, who is essentially the creator of our whole multiverse. She created, she's the mother of our big celestial beings in the DCU, like the Monitor, the Anti-Monitor, and the World Forger, right, from Metal. And uh, she was imprisoned in the Source Wall because she did something very bad in the way that she initially started our multiverse long, long ago. And so now that the source wall broke, which was all the way back in metal in 2017, um, uh, she's free. And Lex Luthor is trying to revive her and empower her by unlocking these different forces. Uh, and so the heroes are really at a down point when this arc starts. They realize this, this goddess, this essentially this cosmic goddess is almost awoken. The multiverse is falling apart. And they decide that the only way to stop this is to go to the sixth dimension. Or they think it's they, to go to contact Mr. Mixiplik, who's a fifth dimensional imp. He's like, you know, the classic character with the hat. And the, I'll show you. I'll show you. You can see who he is. You know, <laughs> you all know him. He's uh, this guy right here, Mr. Mixie. He's awesome. Uh, he's like an imaginary, imagine, uh, imp, uh, lord of imagination. They contact him to be like, we, we've gotten clues that the only way to save the entire universe, the multiverse, is to go to the dimension you're from and reimagine it. And he's like, Actually, the map and the clues that you've gotten don't lead to my dimension. They lead to something even beyond it, the sixth dimension, which is what's beyond imagination. It's the control room of the entire DC universe, essentially, and it's only accessible at moments of intense crisis. <laughs> so this arc is like, as it's super fun, you know, like Mixaplik animates all of Metropolis and Metropolis attacks the, the Justice League and the Daily Planet building has teeth. And it's, it's super, you know, like out of control kind of... Um, uh bright i think yeah it also has a lot of gravitas like this is the penultimate arc for our saga 
the arc after this, spoiler, is going to be our big finale for this sort of um, this segment of Justice League, this whole kind of first year and, and change called Justice Do More that's going to bring in a lot of characters all across the DCU from the JSA to to uh, villains you don't expect, to heroes you don't expect, uh, all that stuff. So this is kind of the moment where if you haven't been reading the series, you can totally pick up this one for the fun of Super Friends, for the fun of the Hall of Justice, the characters you love. You won't be excluded. But if you have been reading it, this is also the one that's the keystone. And it also, not to keep going on and on, but it also sets up DC's big summer event, which is called Year of the Villain, that we're doing in the May. We're doing a 25-cent issue in May that comes out on free comic book day that you can pick up for a quarter and it's like 30 pages or something long. You know, it's, it's a good deal for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's, it's not like the, uh, the usual free comic book day fair where it's like, okay, you got like a, maybe a five page, 15 page original story. Like it's a like full book. Oh yeah. I wrote and it. That's I, wrote, I think we wrote, I wrote like, you know, me, James Tynan and, and Brian Bendis wrote it and it's, you know, 24 pages, Jim Chung, uh, uh, you know, it, it just terrific, terrific art on the book. And essentially what it sets up is at that point, Lex Luthor, because of what he's been doing in Legion of Doom, realizes that the way that he's going to win, the way that he's going to energize this goddess he's been trying to to raise, who's like our kind of, you know, Galactus, this woman, yeah. Perpetua, is to get everybody to believe in her. That's the last step. Once people kind of worship evil and worship doom across the world, she'll be fully capable of reshaping the entire multiverse the way it, she wanted it to be in, in the, its first iteration mm. or with Luthor as her kind of chosen son. And so it's called Year of the Villain, and essentially what he does, I can't give away too much, but he makes a tremendous sacrifice so that all villains can rise and kind of do their best, biggest attacks on their respective heroes ever. Mm-hmm. So you'll see it happen across a lot of books, um, Luthor kind of offers people things that will make their um, their kind of attacks on their heroes really, really special and really definitive and big. Mm. So it'll kind of give a, a big steroid boost to a lot of the kind of normal, you know, um, villain hero interaction where the villains for the first time have the means to really take down their heroes uh, because of Luthor. And all of it builds towards kind of whether or not he's going to be able to get people to side with Doom. Yeah. And if he does, then that might engender something even bigger come fall that I can't talk about yet, but would be a continuation of some of the stuff that we built in metal. So it's one big plan. You know, I'm really excited. I I feel like all my time at DC, you know, I, I, when I was on Batman, I I was really terrified all the time. I always thought, okay, they're going to let me do one arc and then they're going to kick my ass off because, you know, I'm doing Court of Owls, new villains, and Joker with his face off and whatever. Uh-huh. So it's always about doing like one special story, put it on the shelf, the best thing you can do, swing for the fence, and then assume you're going to get fired. Right. Now, at this point in my career, I realize we can build things that are architectural over two to three to four years, the way Hickman did with Avengers, or, um, you know, they used to do, they did it in general at Marvel when Bendis was doing uh, Dark Reign, Dark Avengers, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But this is that format. This is kind of when we did metal. It was like if metal works and people don't kick us out of the building for it, um, it will engender or birth Justice League, Justice League Odyssey, Justice League Dark. Those books will then swing around to Batman Who Laughs. We're going to announce another book soon. Ties into some of the stuff that they're doing over in Superman, Batman, other things like that. So it's one big plan. And to see it come to ahead now because we're, we're, we're in the production of it right now i'm working on you know summer fall 
Um, and with the announcements of Year of the Villain and that stuff, it really solidifies a lot of it. Yeah. All of these things are going to come together in a way that I think, I really believe this is the, the joy of comics. Like the singular great story that you get to pick up and read in a modular way if you're just starting. But if you really are a deep fan and you're a DC crazy and you like me and you just want to pick up everything, it connects. You're not out to pasture with like, oh, this story's out in the middle of nowhere. That story's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there are always books that are outliers, but this thing we're trying to build from metal to the end of 2020, honestly, is one giant epic saga It where you'll see it. Like the second you see what year the villain changes into with our November stuff, December, January, like that i think you'll see like they've been planning this a long long time so it's kind of remarkable uh we were talking about this in a previous episode about stakes in comics and how it's like kind of it's it's a it's a hard nut to crack because everybody in comics has seen it done it been there done that and it's hard to say like the universe will never be the same and this happened and you know like we took wolverine's adamantium out of his body and everyone was like ah whatever that was 20 years ago now it's like oh this character died and everyone's like okay well sure whatever how do you reinvigorate that kind of excitement and stakes when most of your readers are kind of like meta reading your comics like they're reading their creators tweets they're like reading the yeah. trades, they're looking at for the forward to what's happening next. How do you do that? And I think what you're doing here with Justice League and what Hickman was doing with, with everything that he was doing back then, like is the new way to revive that kind of feeling of like gravitas in comics where you're like, things matter, things are changing, things are actually happening. It's this well, I hope so, dude. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it took a lot of learning for me too. You know, when I, when I started out, if we're going to, you know, just talk frankly, like... Yeah. Jeff Johns was was the was the real sort of showrunner at DC, and the way that he was able to do that was so impressive and inspiring all the time. Where he would take a lot of the kind of undercurrent story in DC, and then sort of um, you know make it materialize into something that made sense, like yeah. Rebirth or Flashpoint. All these things that kind of were building, he would see that math and say, "Here's where the company, where the line should go, what fans want, but also let's surprise them with things they don't know they want." Exactly. And um, now that he's kind of um, in a different role, you know, doing more special projects like Doomsday Clock and Three Jokers and the stuff that is going to be great, but yeah. it's more, it's a little bit more, um, less of like line driver month to month and more of kind of a book that's going to sit on the shelf forever because yeah. it's great. Um, that role has kind of weirdly fallen to me and the people that I've been working with in terms of metal to now. And yeah. so it was a really interesting math to, to learn. Um, and by the way, that doesn't mean like I'm the head, you know, I'm no, like, yeah. I don't, don't further. tweet your, don't tweet your complaints and questions to Scott being like, yo, what are you doing at the DC universe? Like, well, no, I mean, even more like I'll defer to Bendis or to, to Brian, to Tom, to, I'm not like, Hey, I'm, I just mean the, the story that, that I pitched when I did metal was a meta story. It was, it was kind of, you know, I've been doing this, the superhero comic thing now for, this will be my 11th year coming in, you know, at DC. And the the mantra when I teach, right, the thing I, I, I try and sort of impart to my students or the writers that are emergent writers coming into superhero comics in general is simply that you have to stay the most exciting writer to yourself. If you're not your own favorite writer, even for all your flaws, but like for your ambition, um, then it's not worth it. Right. And so 
I try every time to, I, you know, it'd be very easy for me at this point. I think I said this to you last time. Yes. To just be like, hey, I know how to write a Batman story at this point. It would be fun to just do, and there are a lot I have, like a small mystery with Penguin, a small mystery right. with, uh, you know, Roxy Rocket. Yeah. But um, that would be playing it safe. And for me, the math of trying to create something that was universe shaking not because it was an event that would get you to buy a million variant covers, but because it, it deeply reinvestigated or explored the, the founding mythology of DC Comics. That's exciting. You know, getting to be like, I created with my friends, the, the creators that I love, Josh Williamson, James Tynan, you know, uh, the artists that we work with, Tom, Brian, uh, Kelly Sue, like get, get to recreate sort of founding mythology and folklore of DC so that now there's somebody who's behind the monitor and anti-monitor and the world forger who we got to make up for metal and all that. Yeah. That stuff is the challenge. And to make a story that makes you feel like they're not just trying to get my money. They're not just trying to be like, look, it's a, the a death of a character or, you know, it's the 52nd variant of instead to be like the reward is no, they're doing deep dive building. And it took 50 issues to get there. But when it gets there, it doesn't just kill somebody or do something that's going to be in the news. It does something that makes you look at DC differently or look at your heroes differently or look at, you know, the the purpose of the DC universe differently. That to me is, you know, that's if, if I got to tell my 10 year old self that I mean, that that's the golden ring. So that's what we're trying to build to I, I, sincerely on, on not just Justice League, but with the DCU right now, you know, and I take the role of getting to do anything that stretches beyond a single book very, very seriously at DC, you know, and I want to make sure that kids coming in, adults that are longtime readers feel like this stuff rewards me. You know what I mean? Like if I read Batman Who Laughs Alone, great. I, you know, please do. And I hope you love it. But if you read that alongside, uh, you know, um, a book I can't talk about that's going to be announced next month, okay. or we read it alongside Justice League, the next arc of Justice League, you say, oh, my God, that there are seeds from that that are that are actually, you know, growing narrative over here in this book. And what are they building towards? And then when we hit summer, fall, you'll say, oh, see, it was a giant. And then I can actually show the, I have a picture of the initial board from 2017 where it all goes and be like, see, they, 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 they did have a plan. And it's the idea is that comics is one of the few things. And I think the Marvel extended universe, the way they've been able to build a shared tapestry of story yeah. in their cinematic universe has been so impressive, but that's that they took it from comics. Like comics is the one that was what we have. What we That's our thing. Yeah. And we do that better than anybody, as well as they've they've done amazing under Kevin and all the stuff that they've done. I mean, I'm I'm the biggest fan. Sure. But that said, it's our job to make you feel as a reader that that's what we have. That you go to comics to go to a, to to get to a place where it's one giant shared immersive universe. It's yeah. the same reason I love Dungeons and Dragons growing up, or you love, you know, uh, some so many of the things that my kid loves right now online. Like you you want to go someplace where you're transported to a world where everything rewards you because it's one immersive enveloping universe. And exactly. when we do these stories, I want you to feel that way when you get to the end and you're like, holy shit, what I read all the way back in metal one in 2017 just paid off here. Even though I that story is standalone or what I read in Batman who laughs or what I read in justice league number one, because there's teases by the way, in justice league number one 
when Martian Manhunter has his vision vision of the future of yes. that, that will play out literally at the end of this year. In February of 2020, you will see some of the things he saw in issue one pay out. And right. yeah, so anyway, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm totally, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like down a million different rabbit holes, but my thesis, if I could say one thing, is sure. that our goal is basically to make you feel as a reader that whatever you pick up, whether if it's in our kind of wheelhouse of books, um, pays forward, and that we're not taking your readership for granted. And instead, we want you to feel like we're architecturally trying to build something that you know rewards you with each singular book because we want each one to be good, each arc. Yeah. But that said, we want you to feel like you are the DC universe. And if you keep reading, all of it comes together in a way that makes you feel like, wow, you know, it's one tapestry that I'm a part of. And my investment in it paid off exponentially because yeah. I understand every little facet of this massive story they've been telling. And if you don't, that's fine, too. And you just take one story, take one and leave it. Totally cool. Yeah. But we don't want you to feel like, hey, I picked up all these things. And they don't come together. It's all each separate. You know, that's that's the Netflix model. You go there, yeah. you have a million different shows. Glad I went to DC Comics, but, you know, every comic is separate. Fine. Um, it's important for us to feel like we have, you know, really special things like Mr. Miracle or some of the YA stuff we're doing or Black Label, which I'm working in as well. But in the superhero universe, in the DCU, it should feel the way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe feels right now, which is that each story pays forward to the next story as much as it's a great thing alone, like Spider-Man Homecoming or, you know, Black Panther. Sure. The next thing also feels like, wow, it connected and built on that. So yeah. anyway, that's, well, it, that's my kind of giant, my, that's my last, I'm sorry, my last stump speech. No, about, I think, uh, well, I, I'm, sh I'm sure we'll get to other places that we feel passionately about uh, that we want to sell. But like in this case, I, I'm not hearing, you know, the chatter that you hear normally when it comes to a tentpole book like Justice League. With this, the, the chatter is basically just like, this is a cool story, and I can see they actually are building towards something. And there's no... there. I don't really catch a, a hint of cynicism about it, where they're like, ah, they're building towards action figures or posters or movies or whatever. Like, no, it's just... They're just telling a big story. Like, I'm hearing Hickman-esque. I'm hearing, like, all these other things. And it's like, I can see that it, the, 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 the care and effort is put in to tell a story that is coming from a place of originality and, and, and genuine desire to tell a story as opposed to like some, just to sell variant covers, like you said, like if it's, I, promise, like, I don't, I, I'm bad in the way that I don't give a shit about variant covers and I don't. Neither do I. So it's, it's rough. Like I'm not the, I'm not the target audience for that kind of selling. Yeah. And I feel bad because I don't, I don't, I, that's not the stuff that I put my energy into. And honestly, there, there are things that I feel like I should put more energy into to sell the book in that sort of, in that lexicon of, of factors, like sure. I should be able, I, I should do more of that. But the thing that I'd say to fellow, you know, readers is just what you said, which is, you know, to me, the payoff is as a kid, I remember what it felt like to go and read X-Men. We, I, I found, you know, I, I was at my parents' house for Thanksgiving and I went, I still have my old long boxes of X and I just seeing the volume of books I bought. You know, yeah. not for some cynical sales reason, but to see my investment in years long story from Claremont, all that stuff, like it made me realize the the importance and the the the, the power 
of loving a narrative universe, loving something that pays forward and is cumulative and propulsive and feels like it's one thing, even if it, you know, is structured in such a way that you can jump on, jump on at different points. You know what I mean? And well, I, that's the one thing I'll say is like, if I have a, if I had like a, of, of a compass in this role or whatever role, you know, it is to do justice league and to try and build towards event stuff. Um, it's that I don't want you ever to feel like we're taking you for granted as a reader. I'm, I promise we're, we're not like yeah. creators on the side. I'm never trying to do something flashy to get you in the door. I'm trying to be like, I want every issue to feel like I got more than my money's worth. You know, that's always been my thing. And I, I'll, I certainly, I screw up in that way too, where I think I'll sometimes shove too much in because I don't want you to feel like you got ripped off. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. I mean, I remember what it's like. My dad took me to the comic store every Wednesday. We went to Forbidden Planet when it was the old Forbidden Planet on 11th Street and Broadway with the upstairs and the downstairs. Yeah. And I had my allowance and I went and, you know, if comics were two ninety nine, three ninety nine, four ninety nine, I'd be broke. I mean, I'd buy one comic, you know. So I, I'm, I try to be sensitive to that and make sure that you guys out there know that we're building something that pays in narrative, not in speculation or not in kind of you know sensational sensational one note story you know bombast right it's interesting because like comics have kind of the more things change the more they stay the same in terms of like how comics are this place that is unlike anything else and yet when like movies and stuff happen you'll see the comics reflect those things which is always frustrating as like a comic reader because you're like, I, I know the difference between this and that. You don't need to make this look like that just because that is bigger and where people are, are watching it, just proportionately yeah. speaking. Um, but the, the, the joy of reading an interconnected universe of characters that have been around for 75 years who all know each other, are influenced by each other, even born from each other's books, you know, characters that have fought, yeah. you know, found new life or their own autonomy, but were born in like a Superman event where there were four Supermen. You know, like all this stuff is part of a cohesive, living, organic world that you are rewarded for reading and enjoying and loving. And there's something to be said for like exploring and celebrating that the way that you guys are and the way that like DC fans, and I think Marvel fans as well, but like people, comic book fans, particularly of the big two, like love to read about like that's what we're in here for i remember um it's it's really weird when that happens in like the big two and you're like when you know that things from outside media are influencing the the the, the zeitgeist and you're kind of like okay well why did you do that yeah it sucks i remember you i think we read comics around the same time so like remember when chapel killed spawn yes and then liefeld got kicked out and everybody and they had to change it and you exactly. went like well that's yeah. the you know and well that's the nature of your independent characters that's the that's what image is then you see it happen and but you're like but you know where that'll never happen marvel dc right they're all owned by the same company they all do their own, they all have their own characters that's kind of like at least some kind of security when you're reading those kinds of stories you're like these characters are all here they're not going anywhere you know? Well, I mean, at the same time, I think we can be really callous sometimes with our characters. And, yeah. you know, as somebody now who's, you know, in the room, at least when we're making some of the decisions as a team with 
you know, characters that have 70 year histories, 30 year histories, whatever, yeah. even five year histories. I think the important thing is to make sure that we're growing a universe that both invites new readers and also honors the legacy that old, that older readers like myself, um, you know, really hold dear, you know, and it's a really interesting balance and it's yeah. a very volatile moment. And I understand that, you know, well, that there's, there's a real push because, you know, print itself is, is difficult for books. I'm, I'm from a book background. I mean, I always wanted to be in comics. That was always my goal. I had an art portfolio through college. I went to a college in Providence because RISD was nearby. And that was my whole goal was to be an artist writer like Frank Miller, or Mike Mignola, you know, that was it. Um, but, um, I wound up getting into prose more for logistical reasons and that stuff and, and loving that. And, and, um, but the same things that you see happening anywhere with a form like, you know, print, it's difficult. They're challenges because readers are picking things up digitally as well. And, you know, there's, there's opportunity and expansion and, you know, strange kind of, uh, lateral, uh, opportunities that suddenly appear out of nowhere that you don't expect. Yeah. It's a really interesting fluid moment, but, you know, in terms of, I think that the the cynicism that kind of sets in about, well, the reason that this isn't working is X or the reason this isn't working is Y when it comes to a single thing. Yeah. It's a real constellation of things that we have to fix, some of which I think are sales um, initiatives and, and different kinds of priorities about the way we sell comics to retailers. Yeah. But ultimately, I think the thing that we should look at as well, in addition to, you know, sort of looking at all of our problems with a, with a very pragmatic and clear eye mm -hmm. is looking at the, the possibilities and the excitement around some of the potential that comics have both in print and in digital. And what you're saying about that kind of long form immersive story, we have that, whether it's in print, whether it's in digital and, or whether like this, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has kind of re reminded us what we're supposed to be, mm. that sense to me of being transported to a place where everything winds up being a positive lead, uh, feedback loop of story is so special to comics. It's, where, it's, it's born in comics, you know, in that way. And that, that's something that we can't not only avoid taking for granted, but we have to maximize. We have right. to maximize it because... It is important to have special projects. It is important that, you know, they're creator own comics that are individuated things that we find because we consume things so differently now, too. I mean, not to go down a, another rabbit hole, but I think it's important to consider the fact that, like, my kids, you know, or, or, or consumers nowadays that are coming up in this world that's Netflix kind of model, they don't look for a central kind of funnel of entertainment. There no. isn't, like, a you know, uh, uh, whatever it was, Total Recall uh, or MTV, uh, you know, whatever that was, TRL that we watched or, yeah. you know, top, top 20 with Casey Kasem or, you know, Thursday night's Cheers. There isn't that thing. No. My kids, you know what they watch? It's the Simpsons, like 20-year-old episodes, The Office. They find manga. They find games they love. Like, they're, they're all about creating their own communities, but those communities themselves are immersive. And I think that, what we need to do to kind of combat is not lean into the sense of, well, let's make extremely individuated projects. So we only have things that are like a special book for somebody to find over here, a special book for somebody to find over there. Yeah. Those are important. And we do have, we have means of doing that through black label or vertigo or prestige format, the way Mr. Miracle is a fantastic example of that. Yeah. But if we use that as a model for our comics in general, I think we throw out 
the most the most powerful sort of um, you know element that or or, or uh, you know uh, benefit or sort of uh, attractive feature that we have for the medium, which is beyond just being this amazing you know format, this visual storytelling format. Yeah. It's 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 built on an idea of a tree of story, a universe of story where these characters know each other and have relationships and histories and interact. And that doesn't mean you can't change those things and and take them in direction. You know, it's it's going to happen. Well, like everything that I've done, you know, I know that I'm now kind of in a position where people look back and, oh, you know, Black Mirror, Court of Owls 10 years ago or whatever it is and. Yeah. You know, but at that time, creating a son for Jim Gordon, I got a lot of hate. You get a lot of hate all the time. You know, a lot of the things that you see about people saying, I'm going to find you at a con and be, you know, we all get that. If you're on a major character, you're going to get it, you know, no matter what. If you do anything daring, you know, from go, what good or bad. And I made my mistakes, but like, you know, the you'll always, you'll always have fans that get upset at you that way. So my feeling is mostly... If you're going to go out there, it's important to be bold and to tell stories that you're passionate about and not be afraid to upset, you know, longtime fans. If you are a longtime fan yourself as a creator and know that the direction you're heading in is going to eventually reward readers in a way that's better than whatever existed that you're usurping in some way. But that said, um, it's also important to understand that the book that you're working on has a legacy and is not only sort of a singular legacy, but a legacy of connection and communal storytelling and should be influenced by and influence other books. So that's kind of my new, (laughs) that's where I am now. Whereas, you know, again, when I was on Batman, I was like a, I always was scared of being fired or, you know, I was, I was very, the pressure of that book and the immediacy of it. When I, I started it never thinking I'd ever get to write it. And I was young as a writer and I was like, you know, that I was always like, let me do one story that's 11 issues. And then if they fire me, that's fine. Right now I'm more like, it's, it's, it's much more about trying to do stories within the DC universe that longtime fans and new readers feel like are built in a way that invites them in are inclusive then honor the past, but take them to places that are completely new and unexpected, which is what this arc is literally, it literally is like, yeah. It, it takes you, it's Mr. It's Mixie, you know, he comes in and he's just the villain you've always known him to be with his hat and his little pork pie thing and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet the place they go to the sixth dimension reinvents a lot of the history of the DCU. And that, that's what I want. I want you to feel like Justice League is about giving you comfort food. It's saying like, here is the JLA, the JLU like animated, uh, you know, Roster. lineup. Yeah. And yet the moment you come in the door, the Legion of Doom does something that says, whoa, this story is bigger than I thought. Yeah. So, you know, that's the, that's the goal. So anyway, sorry. I'm like, no, I yeah. I'm like, this is like the, I'm on the couch about comics now and sort that's... of telling you all my, all my thoughts and feelings. about. <laughs> that's what I like about, like, I, I, that's why I want the show to be like, is just, just talking about comics. I mean, like it, it so often on this show, normally it's like one topic we just hash out, but like, this is the the topic is comics, and yeah. if we're going to talk about it through your filter, so you know because you're here. Well, it's hard, dude, because it is it's a challenging moment. You know what do you do? Like, you know, print readership is difficult. You know, it doesn't mean that it can't swell again. And my hope is that the kinds of stories that we're trying to do now, with a kind of if if we really try and wrap a lot of stuff around meta narratives and also give everybody room to do special stuff, and yeah. we really make sure everyone's story is good, we can bring more people in for print, and print can grow. 
So I'm not, I'm not like some, you know, I'm not fatalistic or, you know, a naysayer or some kind of like doomsday person about print at all. Sure. Um, but that said, I think it's also a moment that gives us opportunities to sort of reinvigorate print and also explore different avenues that are outside of it to be able to bring in new readers so that we grow our audience, you know, and that means not just looking backwards, looking backwards, honoring all of that stuff, and then going, trying new characters. And if they fail, they fail. Trying new storylines, if they fail, they fail, you know, and you you try new things. But I don't know. I just, my trajectory has has been so surprising to me. Like, you know, I, I came in and was very, very much not rebellious about it, but I mean, I came in in a way where I was so sure that the way comics worked was that you know, I would get one chance to do one story and then they would never call me again or call me a year later. I never thought that there was going to be a consistent opportunity for yeah. me just because I, I had wanted to do it for so long. I was just so, I guess, I, I was defending myself against getting my heart broken. Exactly. So I was, positive. I was like positive, you get one shot, you're going to do it, you're going to get out. And that's it. Like, now you're going to leave, but they're going to fire you. Yeah. Well, it was always about trying to make that Dark Knight Returns or do something that was special each arc. And, you know, each one, creating a son for James, uh, for Jim Gordon, or creating a possible brother for Bruce and the Court of Owls existing for many, many years, Joker, you know, having maybe been in the cave and cutting his face off. When I pitched those things, there was, you know, it was always resistance. It was always like, you know, it might fans might react poorly, but the idea was always you try and show them in the DNA of the book that you're doing, that you love these characters so much that you would never do anything that would be sensational or that would be at odds with the core values of who they are. Right. You're trying to push them forward because the books that made me want to read, you know, or be a comic book writer in the first place, now they're so ensconced in like the glass case of whatever. But I mean, Dark Knight Returns was wild when you read it and I, I love reading the hate mail from it i still like i still have some of them posted on my computer screenshot of like some of the letters that came in to dc comics about i'm never reading batman again you've ruined it da, 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 with that book and those things i so, gotta pull that up because that that's that every that you it's so great to look at the media and the fan reaction to like pivotal shit that comes oh, out sure. where you're like oh this is like i remember when kingdom come was coming out and people being yeah, like, I still have my original uh, issues, four issues of that. Right, exactly. And like, I remember like just reading Wizard Magazine and Wizard being like, there's this thing. I don't know if Wade's going to shit the bed. It looks kind of cool, I guess. I don't know who got, I don't know what Magog's all about, but whatever. And I'm like, exactly. okay. And it's, it's, and it, you know, and just seeing the critical reaction to that being like, I don't know if it's going to work. And then, of course, knowing what it's going to become, Dark Knight Returns. Um, I'm sure year one got as much flack as anyone else. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, and remember, like, you know, there are things that are problematic about that book and and, and difficult and, and challenging. And growing up in New York City, you know, for me, those two books, Dark Knight Returns and that, made Batman immediate and relevant and real to me. And right. yet at the same time, I was I was unsettled by them, where I was like, is that a villain that has her breasts out with Nazi? Like, like the, and then, like, in year one, I was like, God, is he really, is he that dark and inept? And, like, they're... they're <laughs> But it really works, and you you read it and you realize it's in service of something greater, right. which is to make the characters matter, to make the characters resonant, and to revitalize them for a new generation. Yeah. And you know that's what's exciting is to see my son 
you know, who just, I could hear, I don't know if you heard him, but I can hear him get home off the bus. Oh, wow. Like, uh, he'll probably come down and want to play, you know, Fortnite or whatever, <laughs> Apex or whatever the new one is, like on this TV. That's oh, right. Yeah. Um, uh, to see him discover, you know, a new version of the character or a version of the character that's not radically different, but that's his. And a lot of the goal with Zero Year, things that we did on Batman, was to try and be like, we wanted it to feel um, diametrically opposed to Frank Miller, to things that came before. Not because we don't love those things. I love them more than anything. You know, I'm, I have a Frank Miller sketch and it's my, it's being framed right now or I'd bring it out to show you. But it's like literally my, you know, my, the, I, if I had to come in and save things from my house other than living beings like my children and my our cats and that would, yeah. it would be like my thing, you know, but the, right. um, but you know, those, those at the time, those books are also really upsetting. And I think we have like a really great moment in front of us, which is there's a lot of, a lot of volatility, a lot of opportunity, a lot of, you know, worry and concern and anxiety, but there's comics right now where the characters and the culture of comics is more popular than it's ever been. Yeah. And we have to find a way of remembering, I think, the, the most essential um, strengths of, of what our sort of medium offers and leaning into those. And one of those things is this immersive giant universe. One of those things is telling stories that are bigger and have a bigger budget than any movie ever. Right. You know, the other thing, you know, passion, personal passion. It's really, you know, going in there and making sure that you're telling a story that matters to you. It's about something. All of that stuff is, you know, just re, I think kind of, you know, reaffirming the core things that made comics popular when they began and, you know, trying to, trying to go back to our roots now in that regard. Exactly. You, you want to give them, you want to give the reader something they've never seen before and something that like, you're giving them like a $600 million action movie and, and it's, right. and it's more rewarding because it, you can take bathroom breaks, you, you know, it's, there's no actor that's going to like have an ego and ruin what you're doing like you've just you just get to play in this universe and and tell the biggest or the smallest stories you ever want to tell and as long as they come from the heart and as long as you care about how the like what the story is it's gonna be rewarding it's gonna be like yeah. i mean look at look at something right now like immortal hulk right which right. How, i mean they're killing it on that book dude and or or you know um what donnie is doing over with venom yeah. you know what i mean like I read those books and I'm like, yes, because they're doing something bold and different with those characters. And yet they're so in love with everything in the DNA of those characters that it feels true. And that's what you need. And then the way that, you know, not to go across the aisle, but I'm good friends. I love Donnie. Like we're friends, friends. And what he's been able to do, Donnie Cates with Venom and, and the way they're building to this carnage event, it's, it's just great because it, it does what we're talking about. It does something bold and different, and yet it honors the past. And then it also kind of builds outward towards the rest of the Marvel universe in a way that feels organic. Yeah, you know, and that—that's what comics has. I feel like it—it it has this—it has this wonderful sort of appeal of fans are so we have the best fans in the world, in my opinion. Like because it also takes an active imagination and dedication when you pick up a comic book to just complete it. I mean. Right. You know, it's panels. It's you know, you pick this up, and I'm, I'm telling you a story. You know, spoil. I love this one, by the oh, way. That, wait, you released that picture, I think, ahead of the the like the previews for this book, and it was like such a rewarding image. It's just Batman well, and Superman chumming it up. Basically, Batman and Superman. I'll tell you that that in the very early part of the book, like Perry White says, this Superman. Um, 
he says Superman is kind of in his office and Perry White doesn't want him to leave before he finishes writing his article. And at one point he's talking about Bruce Wayne and he's like, Bruce Wayne has like a, a, a kind of weather station he set up in Metropolis, which is obviously part of the Justice League plot. And he's like, oh, that damn Wayne. He's like, Wayne's strutting into town with his damn muscle and his damn muscles. And he's like, I told you, he pads his suits. And then I love this moment, like later on when everything comes to a head and Superman is about to go into the sixth dimension and they never, they don't know if he's going to die or he lives. He's going to live. Batman's like, you're the only one more stubborn than me, Clark. And then he's like, by the way, you know I don't pad my suits. And he's like, I know, Bruce. I know. <laughs> and for me, that's just who they are. But anyway, the, the point I'm trying to make is that, um, you know, uh, when we when we have stories like this, I think like what Donnie's doing or what Al's doing or what Nick is trying to build on, on Spider-Man and what we have over here, too, with what Brian is doing over at Superman, I mean, between Leviathan and, and if you're not reading that, it's basically about the Leviathan organization, this villainous organization eating, kind of taking down all the other villainous organizations and becoming our really big bad, like our Hydra, you know, or our, our Cobra in the, um, in the DCU. And it's, it's a great story. Um, you're offering fans that sense of, wow, I haven't seen this before. Yeah. And yet at the same time, it feels inevitable because it incorporates so many elements of the past and honors the past in a way that feels like it's just building on it. So, exactly. you know, I just, I love those aspects of what's going on right now. And we have a lot of challenges and I think there are things that we need to fix at both DC and Marvel. And I'm a part of that problem in some ways and I'm here to help, help with it as well. But ultimately I just think there has to be some optimism about where we're headed, both because so many of the books right now are so strong. And on top of that, um, Fans love these characters, and you see it happening across the world where they're in love with geek culture. And as much as we have all of these different opportunities that are sort of disruptive in some ways, but also exciting, like indie comics, you know, which I'm completely in as well, like outside of DC and Marvel, or, you know, the Netflix, the idea that so many different kind of platforms are now looking to comics for IP, for intellectual property. So you have people doing, you know, the second you do an indie comic now, it sells for TV and film. Like, there's so many things happening that we don't talk about, I think, online or talk about in the conversation about comics because they're – I don't know if it's because they're more kind of internal things that creators talk about or if it's because it's easier to talk about, oh, my God, Prince is dying or, oh, my God, you know, they need to do this with the line or that with the line or yeah. whatever. But well, it, it's, it's just the it, – well, that's where media is. Like you can't simply say something nuanced. You can't say like, oh, this is a problem that has like a lot of different facets and – it requires like a subtle approach that, that will take about five to ten years to fix. You have to yeah. say like everything's dying or like it's it's gonna it's all gonna be destroyed. You gotta burn it all down. Like you can't just say like this is a problem here. Like it's not right. all broken. Just and, and not only that, but that problem that you're pointing to often contains some of the potential growth of the industry as well. Like oh, yeah. You know, you hear people, certain corners here yelling about comics should be this. Other corners over here are saying, no, 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 they should be that. Right. When in fact, like the sort of problems some people point to about, you know, variant covers or they point to about, um, you know, uh, the line being sort of scattered in terms of having different, you know, different sorts of um, books all over the place where this one looks prestige, this doesn't connect, This, those yeah. are problems. And yet at the same time, we're learning from those that there are audiences that suddenly want things that are disconnected, um, that are special prestige books like Mr. Miracle or Doomsday Clock, or that 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 do really respond to brand new characters suddenly, you know, you never know. And so 
it's just the thing that I'd say to everybody right now is that it's instead of looking at the things that aren't working by way of looking for people to blame for it, whether it's, you know, and we should, we take the blame, like, you know, publishers created for, for things that sometimes put retailers or fans in bad positions because we should never do that. Also look at some of the things happening as, uh, I think almost signals for different directions that we can go in for opportunities in comics while still making sure that the things that are, are sacred to us and need to be protected are protected in ways that are important. You know what I mean? So that we we're always bold and we always take risks with our characters and we try new characters and we try new narratives and we're always daring because that's the way comics has always been. But we also have the right way of making sure you as a reader know this comic that isn't in continuity, that is special is, is that, and this comic that is, going to drive the line is that and this comic that's a YA comic is that and this comic where we're trying to appeal to kids with new is that and in that way we're always trying things and being bold and being inclusive and diverse and progressive all those different things and yet there's there is it there's a sense of purpose to it and there's a sense of of uh, invitation and not a sense of chaos you know and I I don't I think DC's I really am proud of how DC has been the last, you know, I'm, I, I think I, I'm not saying that by way of criticizing what we're doing. So I'm really proud of the way that yeah. we are now, but I just think the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that it's a really, it's a really fluid time where there's so many interesting opportunities for um, comic book readers, comic book companies, all of it. Yeah. And there are challenges that are logistical, that are a constellation of issues when it comes to distribution and right. we sell comics and the, lot, the, the amount of money that goes to print and all of it. And we need to figure out a way to make sure that the industry is constantly, um, you know, respecting and rewarding longtime readers and inviting in new ones in yeah. both print and other medium. And that's it, you yeah. know, for me. So I was just talking to one of my, uh, yeah, one of my you know what I mean, I feel oh, like, yeah. I'm... no, I, I get you. I mean, like, I think, uh, it's, it's funny because we're, we're seeing more comics <laughs> than ever and more comics for everyone than ever, which doesn't mean that there aren't comics for you. You know what I mean? Like there's people aren't being robbed of the books that they always have wanted to read for 30 years, nor are we only making books for longtime readers. And when I say we, I mean you, but I mean like in general, the industry itself is like making books for everybody. And the only issue that I see in terms of like getting those books to people is the new model, which is to say there is no model of content, uh, uh, act like aggregation because I was talking to my co-host the other day about how uh, like CBS all access and what a nightmare it is and how it's like uh, I was like oh Star-, Star Trek Discovery just got renewed for a third season and he's like yeah that's the only thing they have like, <laughs> that's how that's like the only thing that people like they need to get CBS all access working because they invested millions of dollars into this thing and you need the show people are using this service to watch so obviously it'll be right. renewed until they cancel the entire thing. And it's like what CBS and what many groups don't understand is like, you don't, you're not like a, t- a channel anymore. Like you can just make content and make it available to the aggregators out there that, right. dis- that, that you know, disperse that content. But the flip side of that coin is 
that no one knows where to there is no tv guide there's no way to know where to get your content and it's interesting because like the the the, the burden of responsibility of like making sure that the right readers know there are books for them falls on the creators themselves the publisher the audience fans like some of us like over here on youtube i know the people are like hey what what am i supposed to be reading right now and i'm like dude i don't know you know like i know what's out there yeah it's it's there's so much yeah and it's just it's interesting because like it's not unlike like the destruction of the source well and the building of something new like the destruction of of the concept of a network and how like all content is just free flowing and out there and there's some amazing stuff that like you won't even know it's there because there's just so much stuff but th- that's exactly what i mean i mean i think that we're we're in an era right now where you know there's just a, a very subjective model of cons- consumption yeah. where you essentially make your own my, my kid takes pride in finding things that other people outside of his friends don't see sure. so they all watch The Office from the night, you know, and, and The Office is, I love it. And I'm happy to watch it. His friends and he, their collective sort of pop culture memory of this moment will be that they watch The Office and stand by me and these things they found themselves. Yeah. As opposed to what we had, which was like a funnel of central entertainment that came at a certain time from certain networks and whatever. Yeah. And I think those are things that comics are, are dealing with right now, the model of consumption, because... Look at think about the opportunity right now, right? With image, right? With indie comics right now, there's such a, a, a robust and rich landscape of creator-owned comics and creators. I can go over there, right? And if I do an indie comic at this point, it usually it will get you know some interest from TV and film, not because I'm so amazing, but because they're so aggressive right now. Because yeah. all these different channels and and platforms, YouTube, Hulu. Amazon, you know, Netflix, all of them are yeah. desperate for for intellectual property. Whether or not they make the show or movie or not, they're after it because that's the model is use our thing because we have things that shows that other people don't yeah. that are specific to our uh, our um, model or our platform, our channel. So um, that whole world has just blown up, yeah. you know, whereas before when I was starting out in comics, even just 10 years ago, it was beginning, but it wasn't the same at all. And and you couldn't, you know, you made a living in superhero comics and your passion for your indie comics, you kind of, you did as you could, you know, yeah. and it was different than the original image model with, with you know, Liefeld, with Rob and Todd and those guys. Sure. It was really like you could go over and hopefully make a living doing indie comics, but then it changed. And when I was doing Witches, all of those things, it was surprising where TV and film, they swoop in and you, you have money from those things. And so... Yeah that not only is it like a viable avenue suddenly for creators to be able to do their own stuff and to kickstart things or do them self-publish, which is a wonderful thing to go out and do your own career however you want. But it also influences, I think, the model of Marvel and DC in a way sometimes because they'll see that and say, well, how do we create singular things that people want to pick up and feel are special just to them? Yeah. You know, the way that an indie book is, you know, because indie books are not interconnected. It's, you know, it really is like if you get witches, that's your special book or you get, you know, Wicked and Divine, that's your special series and that stuff. And that's the model nowadays is you find Peaky Blinders or you find you or you find whatever that show is. And you're like, this is my thing. Right. Um, and I think we have to balance all those things. Like that's where we are is that the thing that I guess I'm getting at is this, like 
I wish there was less anger and blame for the things that people feel aren't working in comics, but there, there should be all of those things. Like we have every right to be upset and try and fix the things that we don't like, sure. whatever those may be, whether it's being too beholden to the past or being too um, radical with the ways we change our characters in terms of their histories or their story, whatever, you know, whatever thing that we're upset about, because we try everything on both sides, you know, all the time, meaning of there are ways that I think that we try and take advantage of old time readers or long time readers, such as myself, that sometimes don't pay off. And there are ways that we try and grab new readers that um, do a disservice to the stories that have come before in terms of erasing certain stories or saying, oh, that didn't happen now. It's all brand new, you know, in some way that dismantles readership from a while ago. And the key isn't just trying to please everybody. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm right. saying that if we look at the landscape, there are ways of doing both now that are bold and different and interesting. Where yeah. if you bring in creators that are passionate about these characters, which we are, you know, and I'm really proud of our lineup from everybody from, you know, Tom and Brian to Willow and Kelly Sue and Josh and James. And I'm really proud of who's at DC right now. Yeah. You know, Eve Orlando, like we have a, we have a really good team, you know, um, Brian Hill, like, you know, the, the, that it, by means of their own passion for these characters, they will find ways of both honoring the past, like they're doing in Venom, but also trying things that might shake you up a little bit and also invite you in so that it doesn't feel that they're just isolated single books that someone is doing to do and get out the way I used to. That right. we're, we're all in it together and the idea is to build these stories, grow them out of the soil so that they're, they have deep roots in kind of the past go places you wouldn't expect, and then also intertwine with stories that you didn't think that they might to build one cohesive universe. I mean, that's the goal. Right. So I just, I wish there was less, you know, resistance some ways to comics changing because look, I go to a con nowadays. I remember what it was like to go to a con when I was a kid and, you know, in New York with my father and they were tiny and it was just, you know, yeah. a bunch of bunch of kids that were buying comics from a long box from old guys, you know, and now you go to Javits Center and there are people from all over the world and they're young people and old people and people from all walks of life and genders and races and ethnicities and orientations and everything. Yeah. And that's in tremendously inspiring. You know, it's all these different opportunities to not only tell stories for a new audience, but bring in new people to be able to tell stories for themselves that are brand new and reinvigorate these characters in ways that are exciting. Yeah. So it's almost like to me, the audience and the possible pool of creators and readers is more robust and diverse and interesting than it's ever been, more rich than it's ever been. The creative opportunities in terms of the different ways that we can make comics, distribute comics, all of those things are, again, more, more um, sort of multifaceted and, and changing and fluid and interesting than they've ever been. Yeah. Um, and there are challenges with those things as well. But it's such a great time in that way, in my mind, as much as it's scary because things are all over the place and who knows Right. that I get really hopeful about it. You know, when I go to a con, it just makes me really hopeful to see people discovering comics, to see different, uh, different audiences than there used to be in different ways in terms of kids from all over the world, finding comics through manga or TV or cartoons or whatever they find them through. You know, it's, I don't know. I like to think of it as a, a moment that's just, has so much opportunity and potential for ways of doing comics that both fulfill all of the kind of deep history and 
and sort of legacy of print and the stuff that we should we should do really well and the characters in their in their kind of um, you know in all their glory and yet at the same time offers us opportunities to push boundaries in new ways as well. So I don't know. Maybe that's it's I I sometimes I worry about it where I'm just like, am I is that does that sound insane? wrong? I mean, or no? I think I, it's what, a, what oh no. I, I think well, anytime you're like you know I'm I'm excited for the future and I think that like getting tools that allow more comics to be disseminated throughout more groups of people that's always going to be a good thing there's no there's no version of that where that's like hurting the industry that's Um, it we have to find ways of reaching a new audience and making sure that the audience that loves the books feels yeah um also feels like they're being treated well and not being taken advantage of for financial reasons sometimes you know yeah the industry has been sensationalizing like the industry has been dying f- f- for since I've started reading comics. Since before Death of Superman. Exactly. As a kid, you know, it was yeah. dying. Like, it's it's dying. It's ruined. The new crop creators doesn't respect the source material. Everything's being destroyed. I mean, like when Marvel went bankrupt, that was kind of a surprise. Like that was a little bit of an actual thing to be concerned about. But I had even when Marvel went bankrupt, I was never. I mean, like, and I was I was pretty young, so it was hard to like really articulate those feelings. But like, I was never like they'll go away. There, there was never any concern of like, I'm never going to read these comics oh, again. Sure. They're never going to be yeah. here again. And the fact is like comics are so essential to the human experience that there is, there's no version where they won't be there. And the industry, while it does stumble and make, and, and sometimes forgets to see the forest for the trees, like the, it's, it, it knows how to protect itself. I think. Yeah. And I, and I agree. And I think it's the enduring nature of these characters and also the appeal of the medium itself, that immersive, transportive, amazing, exactly. passionate, you know, way of storytelling that is resonant. I mean, about that people are able to convey things emotionally, intellectually, politically, all of those things that matter to them on the biggest stage possible with the craziest sort of tools at their disposal that make you feel like you're in a completely different place and away from your life or immediately in your life, depending on the comic, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to me. And I think, you know, going off of um, what you were saying about it too, I just think, you know, and I read a lot of things from retailers points of view. I talked to my, my local shop, uh, fourth world. I'm very close to them. I've been going to them since before I broke in. I remember the day that I got my first, opportunity at Marvel to write one shot for the original human torch, like the robot one. And I ran in and was like, guess what? Guess what? So, you know, I've been going there forever and we talk a lot about some of the things facing their side of the business and all of that. And as much as they're, they get worried about it, they're, they're also hopeful because their audience has, has changed as well and grown and they see more kids and all that stuff too. And I just think, I wish I just wish people were less resistant to change and thought about more. How do we grow this industry for everybody growing it or, or doing things in new ways doesn't mean that we're suddenly throwing out the baby with the bathwater, you know, all of us working in it. Like, do you think that I'm going to be like, fuck Batman, let me, you know, (laughs) kill him and kill him. And I want a kid Batman now for a new, you know, if I had a great story, yeah. that honored Batman and brought him, you know, sure. I mean, Gordon Batman, you know I mean? But the, but I'm just saying none of us are in it to screw anybody over. Like, you know, do you think you go into comics for money? Cause you don't like, I I I say that every time. Like anytime anybody talks about like how, uh, whenever we like show, 
uh, we, we, we enjoy a movie or we really like when we push a big book or a, a Marvel or DC book people on both sides will, will critic well, like the criticism I love the most is like you're in you're in DC's pocket or you're in Marvel's pocket and I'm like uh, no I'm not uh, they don't what pay pocket? that's they what I mean like the like you know we're freelancers you know what I mean like yeah. I go to my, my high school reunion and people have real jobs. Like, <laughs> yeah, they have doctors yeah. or lawyers. They don't worry about health insurance or, at all. They just they just go to you know they just go to yeah. work. I mean, I'm lucky enough at this point. You know, I've done well. Like yeah. I'm, I'm good. I have a library of stuff for royalties that you well, know. That's we the thing. Like, and, that, and that's the trick. Like I know I was talking to like my 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 response is always like, do you know how many books Bendis wrote for Marvel? Right. Like exactly at that one time. That's how he was able to like make a library like he was able to pay bills he just took on more books <laughs> yeah and i mean i believe me I, there was a period where i almost got divorced because i was writing we had a kid and i was yeah. desperate and my wife was a resident and Ugh. you know what and i was writing six books i think at one point and it right. was i was up all night i was drinking too much it was a mess you know and you but i'm just saying nobody goes into comics because they're like that's where the money is no you know, yeah or <laughs> nobody's in it the thing I, I just you know some people they think that people come in here and they moonlight or they're in here for the wrong reasons and i'd say that's just so not nobody that's writing a comic regularly does it because they're doing it for a payday or they're doing it for glamour i mean yeah. they're doing it out of love for the character and they're taking a risk with their livelihood usually for yeah. it you know so they all have the same passion you do. Like we're all in it together. I don't know how to express that more that you might not like what somebody does on a book for whatever reason. It might be too boring or classic, or it might be too progressive. Who knows? Like, but they're not in there to, because they're like, you know, ha ha, I'm here to make a, they're not carpet bagging and no, yeah. there's no such thing. Like, so, you know, I just, I just, I, I try, I don't, I mean, it sounds hokey, but, I just, I just wish sometimes, especially the most vocal contingents that are so opposed to risk taking and change. I think in comics, yeah. would be able to see that the 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 people they think sometimes are taking too big risks or doing things in ways that are, you know, trying uh, medium or, or or trying to move characters into into stories that they might not expect or whatever it is that. Yeah. We're trying it because it's an incredibly exciting and fluid and different time, and nobody is in it to hurt characters or to do things to characters that they think will get them a quick buck. No. You know what I mean? Like that's the last thing any comic creator wants to do. Exactly. In it for love of character and love of medium. At and the end of the day, you're there to tell a story and to sell the book. And yeah, exactly, yeah, and that's but... it. Like, and you know what I mean? Like half the time, most of most of us, you know, most of us, you struggle all the time with where where's your next paycheck and we don't have health insurance from comics or whatever it is no, yeah. I mean, i'm i i'm i'm a spoiled brat at this point because of a long history with dc and whatever but i'm just saying when By i large, the first few speaking. years i was not and that's i i was a writer before that in prose when i got married to my wife i remember saying like i'm never gonna make any goddamn money ever yeah like, i just want you to know that up front like but i love what i do and i really enjoy it and i'll always be happy doing it but yeah. You know, and and um, you know, I've I've been very fortunate with the way things have gone. But I promise, like at every stage, I've always been ready to be fired for passion of story. And that goes back to again, like Black Mirror. I mean, there was a lot of resistance to that story internally, and Court of Owls. There was a ton of resistance to that story. 
but it was always like, all right, well, if you can't do it the way you want to do it within reason, taking notes, but within reason, I'd rather not do it. And that's not because I'm in it because I want to get money. It's in it because you want to do something that matters for the character because you love the character yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And that's all I'd say is that at the end of the day, I wish there was, there, I wish there was a sense of, you know, we're at a really interesting crossroads that's challenging, but it's full of opportunity right. and we need to figure a way out. We need to figure a way that moves forward, that grows, grows superhero comics, indie comics, invites new people in, celebrates the new voices, honors the past, all of those things. Yeah. And yet I look around, I see so, so many people, I think, or not so many, but it feels some like people, it. Some people so adamant about just talking about the things they hate, you know, the things they don't like. And to me, I just am like, you know how much more power there is in talking about one or two books that you loved? Right. Like, why not go out there and say, hey, I love this thing, indie, Marvel, DC, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, most of the time these books need it. You know, even books you think are okay usually are not okay, right. especially indie. Just go out there and say – I love this thing. Why waste, you know, I just, I get no joy out of reading a comic I don't like, even when it's by somebody who has bashed something I've done or any of that stuff. Like it gives me no vindictive pleasure. Yeah. It makes me think about the wasted effort for shitting on comics and talking about comics that you think are shitty Yeah. Um, and making shitty comics as opposed to, you know, talking about stuff you love and celebrating stuff that you think is great. Yeah. Because that's the way you're going to grow it. Not, not talk because the stuff that doesn't the, the reason is like believe me like i have a sorry to, we're, we're like we're so in the weeds with, <laughs> like, giving you like a 10 minute interview where i'm like justice league and batman who laughs and my creative room and you know like out yeah I, the, sal this is what i love doing this, this no is this like is my it like the, like it, well and I, i'm not interested in just being like yo here pick up this book i mean we did that like yeah and I mean, and listen I'll like up, though, and if i didn't up. if i didn't read the book i wouldn't want to do it but like i like the book and so like right. it's just it's the same thing with anything we 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 uh you know we promote or talk about like if i didn't like it we wouldn't do it so well and and the thing but the thing I, yeah i know and i mean the thing i'm the thing i'd say though also with with what we're talking about like yeah. you know with with sort of going out and promoting the stuff that you love like you know, half the time, those things you think, uh, you think they're okay. They're not okay. Like they're, it, it takes so much effort to find an audience when you're doing a small book, whether it's at DC or Marvel or it's your own book and that stuff. And it's indie, you know, you're not making a lot of money from it either way, you know? And it's, it's just, I just, I wish there was a way of going out and being able to, um, to convince people that, it would help things so much more to be able to celebrate the books that you care about than trashing the books that you, you, you dislike, or it doesn't mean we don't talk about criticism because the thing I was going to say is like, I love getting criticism when it's constructive. Believe me, I have a, I have a pretty thick skin. I'm not at this point. I'm not, you know, if you tell me I suck, I'm not coming after you to be like, <laughs> right. It doesn't, I've, I've heard it all at this point. And you know, if you don't think that most of us are called everything under the book at some point when you're working on a character like Daredevil or Batman or Spider-Man, you are. Right. Because when I did, like, I was called, when I remember when I, I we were working on Duke and um, uh, for Signal, and uh, you, you know, you, you take it on one side politically for for decisions that you make with a character where you feel like you screwed up and, and maybe you, uh, you have fans yelling at you because you, they think things are inorganic about the character. Right. Then you get it from the other side, but you're trying to force K 
characters that are new into a world that doesn't need them. And so I've been, you know, you've been called, most of us have been called everything right. from like, you know, the right, the left, up, down, everything. Exactly. Um, so so none, point, of this, yeah. none of this is by way of saying, don't call out the things that you think need help in comics or need work because we need to hear it. But that's but, a good way to put it too. Not to interrupt, but just like just to put it that way and to think of it in that way. Because I think it's, it, rather than just calling attention to something that sucks, it's more like call attention to something that you think needs help. And how do you fix it? And how do you fix it? I, I mean, I swear to God, it's like it really is one of those things where, of course, like if you think there's something wrong in my book or not just my book, but with the industry, like from the smallest thing to the biggest, you should talk about it and yeah. you should be openly critical and you should feel like you're heard and all that. Because we do. We you know, I, I look at a lot of criticism, you know, I don't, you know, if you're, you're going to, I find it myself, you know, in that way. And I, I want it, I try and seek out things that are going to make me better. But that said, if you're giving criticism, that's just unconstructive. It's not only just like, oh, I don't like this. This is what's wrong with it, but not, and here's how I hope they do it. Or here's, here's what I think would fix it. You yeah. know what I mean? Or, and, and if you're doing it in a way that's gleefully mean or mm -hmm. cruel or you're taking pleasure in what you don't like about something, to me, that's an, an immediate signal that I'm not going to listen. Like, right. not just like if you're if you make something about my stuff and you're you're vicious in a way that's constructive. My first editor that I hired indie was David Brothers, who was the first person when I just started on Batman to call me out on his blog and say, Scott Snyder always repeats the same kind of opening in his narration and I, it sucks. And I, but this is what, why he pointed it out and he was right. And, and he wound up, I wound up hiring him as my editor on witches because it was like, I want somebody that's going to be astute win, about yeah. the things I do wrong and then helps me be better. But you know, there was no gleefully mean shitty attitude about that where he was like, this guy sucks because blah, 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 blah. The second you open with that kind of a feeling or, you know, these people in the industry, this is why the second it just shuts conversation off because yeah. you, when you make it personal or you attack in that way, for me, it just, nobody wants to hear the thing that you're going to say that's, you know, resonant. Yeah. And well, it's about trying to have a conversation about like, Hey, you know, if you're talking about me, Scott, I didn't like this in your book because X, Y, and Z, I wish you would try to do you know, A, B, and C. Yeah. Or I might, I might not, I might not write you back and be like, thank you. Whatever. Right on. I promise I'll never write you back and be like, I'm angry at you for that. Ever. Right. You know, I, I might not be in the mood to hear it at that moment. It might just like see it and be like, I don't, I can't listen to that right now. No. Yeah. But I prompt the last thing I would ever do is be anything but grateful in some way for the criticism. If yeah. it's constructive, if it's not constructive, maybe you just kind of toss it out. You know what I mean? But yeah. I would take that as a kind of model for the whole industry. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? In terms of not just about talking about a comic book, but if you're devoting your time to trashing things or talking about what doesn't work in a way that doesn't A, offer solutions, B, is personal or cruel, C, is just gleeful, like taking pleasure in the, in the you know, or humor. down of what someone made. Yeah, like may, taking humor, like always remember, like, Somebody, again, nobody goes into it for whatever, for money. Or, and, and somebody spent a lot of time trying to make something they care about. Maybe it didn't work. I've certainly done comics that haven't worked. Maybe it's because editorial made some changes. Maybe it's because you screwed it up as a creator. Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, nobody goes in there to be like, 
man, I don't really give a shit about this. I'm just putting it out there for whatever. Very rarely. I, mean, I don't know anybody that does that. No. So the idea that you're going to come in and take pleasure in being mean about it, there's no to me, there's no value in that. I mean, I understand that people love the idea of roasting things and saying, oh, well, I, there's an entertainment value in that. But even when the construct, the criticism is constructive, but I think there's a way of being really constructive with books when you're, when you're critical, it doesn't celebrate failure. When you're celebrating failure to me, it crosses a line and and you should be able to do it. Go ahead and do it. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that it winds up falling into a territory that becomes unconstructive because the creator isn't going to want to listen to it. They're not going to want to hear what you have to say the minute they think that you're happy that they failed do you know what i mean yeah that, I, I think that, from that... It, it shuts down the conversation exactly the when you're yelling if you yell dc comics sucks because i hate this book there's nothing to take from that you know what i mean if you're like listen i think that th- I, I really care about this book i wish it was like this they might take it or leave it but they'll th- there's a much better chance that they'll listen and we can have a conversation exactly the other and there's just so much of the the, the former right now of well, like and the former comes from a place of like it's it's interesting because it's it's not just um, trying to tear something down. It's it's like I'm I personally feel like I put stake in I have stake in this thing, but I also have no way of articulating. I don't know how to make it better. It's hard, dude. That's know, the hard part, right? And that's well, that's that's the thing. It's like I don't know how to make it better, but I know I don't like this, and because I have. <laughs> 18 different avenues through which I can directly reach out to a creator and tell them that they disappointed me. I'm going to take it because that's what, that's, that's what I've learned I can do. And it's, I remember when uh, I I remember like, I'm guilty of this as well. And I certainly was earlier on in my, in before I had a career and it's why I'll never work for Marvel. Uh, It's because uh, I remember when one, one more day happened and uh, for some reason I had Joe Casada's email. And I, I, and I wrote him an email, a big, long email. And it, I think it actually went in, in what you were going with, where I'm like, I really don't agree with what you did, with what happened here. And here's why. And he wrote back and he wrote this long email back where he's like, I really appreciate that you said that, but like, here's where I, I mean. and here's what I learned working at DC comics. And here's why I think it would apply to this character. And here's what I think you need to do. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, right on. Cool. But like. Yeah, I can't. That's what but, I mean, like that. But but like being that's that, that, too. I you know what I'm saying? Like that happened with me. I can name many times that, as a fan, I reached out before the days of the internet yeah. and heard back at cons or things. But I've had people walk up to me at a con and say, "Listen, I really didn't like this because of this, this, this. I know you're going to hate me." I'm like I don't hate you at all. I appreciate you saying that. And is why. And I've had people come up and be like, "I think you suck," and you're just like, "Thank you." Next, you know. Right. Like, and then they'll do- try and initiate a conversation and say. I think you suck and dotted. I swear to God, like a guy with his son did that to me at one of the last cons. He was like, my son thinks you suck. And the kid was like, I do. And I was like, Thank you. Thank you. Father, son day out at the thing. You right. waited. What are your fostering hours. real, yeah. you're setting a really no, good example. But, and then I was like, well, well, why? And you know, I, there was a line, so I couldn't really get into it too much, but I'm no. like, well, you know, why do you think that? And it was just sort of, I don't like your stuff. Okay. Well, that's all right. You know, all but, right. but why? You know, it's like, well, hmm, I don't know. I, you know, I'm happy I said my piece kind of thing and I want to move on. Right. And I'm here to sign a book. That's fine. But, you know, that 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 stuff just drives me crazy where yeah. I don't feel personally insulted by it, but it's a wasted opportunity. Right. If you waited in line for two hours, you know what I mean? <laughs> you have access to your creators online to extend it out beyond that, that experience. Exactly right. 
you're, we're all in it together and we all want the industry to excel. Yeah. You know, why do you waste your time making, you know, a, a, a thing about you hate something and you're happy. It sucks. Right. Like that to me is just, just so counterproductive it's actually, in some way where it's like, I get that your thinking might be, I'm letting them know how bad this is and they won't do it again. But that's not at all what happens because like, what happens is they're like, that guy's an asshole. Right, that's never going to work. That, 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 that guy's an asshole. And they'll just be like, I'm not listening to that. Yeah. So the more, the more you think that you're like yelling at Marvel or DC when you do something that's just yelling in terms of you're tearing something apart, they just – same way, like if somebody came up to you and was like, you know what, fuck you. And the second you say it, they're just, you know, I'm yeah, like, like security where, you know, but if you came up and you're like, listen, I really care about what, what this, this, and this, this is how I hope you might, that's a different situation, but there's so much kind yeah. of, how do I build, how do I get people to listen to me or build an audience, you know, in my, on my blog or YouTube, wherever I think yeah. sometimes with with just the fun of tearing stuff apart. And again, you're welcome to do it. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. Go ahead and do it. You know, and um, no, no hard feelings. I'm not, I don't, it's not going to hurt me, but I just feel we need your passion to help fix or make the industry better rather yeah. than just, you know, if you care, don't just talk about the things that you hate and the things that aren't working. Cause sure. You know, if you do it in a civil way, we hear if you don't and you're just bashing, we don't even listen. Yeah. But if you um, you have to offer some kind of positivity or solution or um, or I think, you know, enthusiasm for the way things could go in another way. And that's not just put it back the way it was. That doesn't work. You know, you got to be like, well, it's unrealistic. Like it's, it's, unrealistic. Just, it's never going to go back to the way it was. And um, the market is different. That's the whole thing is that there are whole new opportunities that they're 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 looking at yeah. and they want and we want you know that will grow the industry in really exciting ways and i'm very proud again of of a lot of the things that dc is thinking about and the ways that they're approaching their comics and in, in way and right now and there are things that don't work and things that do but we are desperate for good solid feedback from fans that says we love these books and but these books could be a little different for these reasons um or this and we might listen we might not in right. terms of reaction to it in terms of what we do but there's no there's not you know the second you get cruel or mean it just shuts off and yeah. you know i look i've i certainly i have my own temper and i wouldn't be where i was if i didn't have my own temper and teeth about stuff and sure. lose my own you know i can get mad at times especially when i was young when i 10 years ago i was much more it's harder to rattle me now than it was then but yeah. um you know, we can all get angry. Creators can get angry online too and react poorly and all that stuff happens and we get it. But the point is we're, we, we, we need to find a way like as comic fans, not even as creators, audience, whatever, but as everybody that wants to grow the industry, I think to be able to accept that it's a really, um, a really, uh, sort of growing pains moment where there's so many different exciting opportunities for comics and the characters and all of it. And there's also a longstanding tradition that that needs, I think, to be energized in a really cool way as well and to be honored and, and taken in directions that, you know, both sort of uh, appeal to the past but do new things. Yeah. And, you know, we were only going to get there together. It's just that I think there's just, you know, right now I just wish there was more. Yeah. I wish there was less, less kind of um, 
less just glee in talking about what doesn't work (laughs) and more sort of more passion about trying to talk about the things that they think could be really exciting and the places that are working so we can grow them right you know both indie indie dc marvel all of it so anyway (laughs) so uh i can't believe we've been talking this long i feel like I, I feel like I, I I even like read this stuff about YouTube videos where I was like, cause I have, you know, I was just, I tinker around with my own thing and I was I like, now nothing should go over 30 minutes because nobody wants to listen to it. Yeah. At that that, now I feel say. terrible. I'm like, just cut out everything I said, except when I hold up justice league and I'm like, and show them the inside. You, like, you can get it. Soon. And whatever, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a couple of bites, whatever you need, but no, I feel bad. Me, I like, feel amazing. The, grateful and happy that we talked this long but i also feel terrible that i'm like i don't want to make the worst video no, ever it's funny because like, like it really depends on what kind of content you're making and also like how much you care about that kind of thing like in if you're growing and you're trying to like build like yeah absolutely 30 minutes should be kind of like your terminal your terminal point but for me it's like we are at a place where like i'm do like i'm doing well we're having fun the videos are good. i love your channel too well thank yeah. you very much for watching i appreciate it um, sure I can't help but feel like, oh, shit, maybe I am guilty of that. When, like, we have a show literally called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, where we take comics and, like, there is an ugly book. And we're like, yeah. this one's the worst, and then we talk about well, it. Well, there are things that I've done that I know that, yeah, I mean, believe me, I'm, I, it's not, it's okay. It's just, I just think. Well, I'm trying not to, like, really enjoy, like, picking a book apart, but we definitely will, like, we'll take, we try to be in in some way constructive. We're like, here's why it doesn't work, or here's why. Yeah, I just, the, the thing I'd say is mostly, again, more today because i'm talking about books usually from like 30 years ago but uh oh yeah sure well i mean above all it's just i just think it's not that we should never expend energy on talking about what doesn't work or even you know being highly critical of stuff it's more with with a without a constructive component it winds up being pretty useless and b the thing i really object to even more than something that's just critical even if it's unconstructive is i just i'm so as a creator maybe it's just that i know what it's like to try and make something and fail like i've made especially back when I was in prose, I remember slaving and working over stuff for months and months and months and then reading it and being like, I didn't do it. And having people read it and be like, you know, publish it and be like, oh, that's not good. Right, and you didn't do it. And it's like, shit, I just said that. Like, thank you for articulating what I, my, my insecurity. It's a little effort to read something, realize it doesn't work and say that didn't work. It takes more effort to read it, say, hey, this is why it didn't work and this is what could do. And that, that's always appreciated. But I just, it's the glee, the thing that I don't like, or the thing that I talk about when I talk about like roasting comics, and I think people get, you know, or movies or anything, and and get wrong when I'm talking about it, and maybe it's because I'm not communicating it clearly, is I'm not opposed to like the harshest criticism possible, as long as it's constructive. I think it's, we should. Yeah. And I I think there should be whole things that are dedicated to this is what's not working, not working, not working. I get it. But it's the glee. It's like the the joy in finding things wrong with something somebody puts stuff in it's the attitude and the tone mm-hmm. and the sense of of celebrating failure and yeah there's something cruel about it that i just and i react really poorly to. i just don't like it i don't listen like yeah. the second i get the sense that even if it's a comic i totally disliked and let's say it's by somebody who's you know really trashed other comics that i've done or other but, I have take no joy in hearing something that's like people think that I people will send me things and be like, Hey, you remember this guy said yeah. all this terrible shit about your stuff? Here's a comic by that person. And you read it and it's even if it, if it's not good, right. It doesn't make me be like, Yay, it wasn't good and let me 
it, not at all. It just no. makes me feel like what a waste of right. Exactly. Like, like you know oh, what I mean? Like, bad. like, yeah. The, the, what's the point? I would rather talk about comics that I love. I exactly. mean, you know, I could, I could go on all day about stuff I read every week that I don't like. I mean, I'm pretty critical of myself. I'm of my own stuff, especially, but yeah. of others as well. I read it and, you know, I teach comics. If you don't think I could read most stuff and be like, here's what I love, here's what I don't love. Here's about my stuff, especially. I could say, here's where I failed, whatever. Right. But the point, I don't know. I just, I'd rather go out there every week and talk about what I think has been really successful and that stuff. And I'm not saying everybody should do that. I'm just saying the thing I would hope is that they approach it with an attitude of how do I help? the industry how do i help comics how do i how do i make sure my heart's in the right place when i talk about this comic or the industry itself and not i'm not being exploitative in a way that's literally about how do i make people laugh at the expense of somebody else or the expense of a comic that didn't work and that stuff because that to me winds up just being disruptive as opposed to constructive well and you're absolutely right that it like they're coming from a place of like these are comic book readers these are people who love comics at the end of the day they do love comics None of these group, none, none, no one who actually like actively tears down the the work of others in this industry, particularly, uh, is coming from a place of like. So I write movie scripts for uh, for Hollywood, and one right. thing I really think are stupid are comic. Like it's all from people who just read comics like re- recreationally. Right. Who, who and that's, just, we're all in it together. I mean, yeah. that's all it is. And you know what I mean? It, at like, the end of the day, like we all are trying to make this industry thrive, Better. you know, and, thrive. and yeah, we're just trying to grow it. Like, and that's, yeah. the thing. Like, and this, I'm, even what you do, like the idea of having a channel that talks so much about not just trends in the industry and comics that you love, but is a community that people can find because that's the fun of coming and seeing you or Benny or that stuff yeah. is that people love listening. They feel like they're coming into a group and exactly and finding a place. that's like a sports bar, but about comics, which is what my LCS is to me, you know, my local shop. Yeah. And that's that's the fun, you know, of all of it is finding ways of other, finding ways of connecting with other people, whether creators or fans or publishers, and talking about comics in a way that is productive and is enthusiastic and passionate, if critical, you know, just yeah. as opposed to self-aggrandizingly, to me, uh, destructive or negative. Yeah. That's that's what I react poorly to is. You know, and, and privately, you know, I do it too sometimes where I'll read something and dislike it and get on the phone with somebody and be one of my friends and just be like, I just want to talk about what I didn't like about you. And, blah, and blah, that's, blah. That, well, that's your prerogative as a, as a human being. Sure, and that's like, right, yeah. But I mean, when we're talking about the public discourse of it. Yeah. Going like, yo, you know, it'd be great if I could monetize what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. I like, just, I no, just wish that's, that's, I think my hope is even just tinkering with YouTube and doing craft videos or doing things that are about books that I like or interviewing creators I like. It's, yeah. It's not being a Pollyanna because I, you know, I'm trying to show, talk about bad things as well with my friends when we talk is the way I'm talking with you. I mean, I'm trying to be as transparent as possible and open, yeah, not guarded or political or whatever operative of DC Comics, exactly. but um, trying to focus mostly on the things that we think are great right now, but also if they need fixing, how to fix them. What what are ways that we can grow the industry? Exactly. Or not just, yeah, I don't like this. This doesn't work. Or I don't like this. This doesn't work. They need to do something else. Yeah. I love this. It's not working for me this way. What if we try X, Y, and Z? You know, I hope they, you know, I hope they do. And here's five more ideas for different yeah. things. You know, that, that is what, you know, we listen to and we respond to. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, again, it's not because I can't take criticism. I want criticism, but 
It is at base. I just think we're in such a divisive moment all yeah. around. Oh, like, everywhere. Yeah. Politically, all of it. I mean, I just got tired of, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, my politics are obvious. I'm, you know, a relatively lefty, you know, <laughs> lefty, uh, from birth. You know, I grew up in New York city and we're all like all that stuff, exactly. but the, I stopped just because, not because I don't think it's worth talking about. I totally do on Twitter if you want. I just, I got exhausted by like the constant back and forth of the responses and the cacophony of it when I feel like people generally know where I am on things and that. I'll certainly say things once in a while, but I avoid it mostly because it becomes a rabbit hole and I have a lot of work and that's it. Um, Not because I don't feel people should. And I'm glad that there's some people who I look up to, I think, who talk about it consistently on social media. But the moment is so incredibly fucking divisive where yeah. you know, I feel extremely strongly about Trump and my politics and those things. And I'm very active privately in my life and I try and do things online when I care about them or whatever. But um, we're in a culture, I just think right now, that's teaching us to bubble wrap ourselves in our own viewpoints constantly, where it's almost like you are able in a way subjectively to insulate yourself in things that just reinforce whatever you believe nonstop. Exactly. And, and the problem yourself. that you have when you get that, and you have, a, in my belief, a president who's absolutely about that all the time too, um, and not putting it all on, you know, not this is not an anti-Trump screed, but I think that's just a, a matter of fact that, you know, you have somebody who, who leads also by saying these are real facts, these are not facts, this is fake, this is... That you 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 open the door for people to feel that it's good to isolate yourself and 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 completely uh, protect yourself from things that that you disagree with in some way or other, or that you 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 don't need to talk to people on yet that that um, disagree with you in certain ways about things if they're going to be civil. There's certainly like there are people, believe me, who they're the whole th- there's no good faith like the immediate they're coming at you just to get a rise out of you or to trap you or, you know, all over. And that, that's a different story, but I'm talking about in comics right now. I just feel like we get used to falling into our area when it's, Oh, I really love Marvel. Well, I really love DC or I love indie. I don't read Marvel in DC or I like uh, manga and I kind of like, but you know, I don't want to talk. And, and the idea is for me is that, that, to break away from the idea of being in kind of entrenched positions, even about what we like yeah. uh, and especially what we dislike. And instead to try and find a way of saying, these are all facets of one giant, you know, machine that we're trying to make run better exactly. and be able to celebrate those things. So even if I don't necessarily read a lot of manga, now I do, I can look at it and say, Hey, are there opportunities there for the way we do comics or, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, I only, I only like Batman. I don't like cosmic. You know, just, I'm not saying everyone should love everything. I'm just saying, in some way, I think that we're at a moment when it's, it's become more, not only easy to do, but also expected and encouraged to just sort of block yourself off from things you're not used to. Yeah. And in that way, I think it it breeds a kind of, a breeds a, a hostility for. Um, you know, for discourse for about larger challenges that we have as an industry, because Absolutely. people go down a rabbit hole and be like, I do too. And be like, well, I'm really, I don't care about what's happening at Marvel or I really like, uh, you know, indie comics right now. We're going to create our own. I don't have to think about events Yeah, and well, I- find a way of, you know, thinking about it as one organic ecosystem yeah. that you're, 
you're willing to think about problems that you might not deal with every day. Like, for example, I don't deal with the variant problem because that's not my realm. Yeah. But learn about it. So it's not just, well, my experience is the problem is that these books need to be stronger. Do you know what I mean? Which is my experience. My book maybe needs to be stronger. Maybe I'm not going to. That's I live in the creator world, but when I learn about the variant problem or the the kind of some of the retailer issues that come from returnability, all, oh, yeah. suddenly no thing opens up. It's like, well, there's there's an area that we we can adjust and think about there. Or trades, graphic novels, you know, how soon we collect things, how we collect things. Like what I'm saying is, we're so used to being like, I know what, what's wrong, and I'm gonna that's it. It's yeah, and big. I'm unqualified because I only know about the one thing I know about. Like I'm unqualified to really actually make any change because I refuse to acknowledge what's happening in these multifaceted areas that all encompassing are the industry I'm constructively trying to make better. Like Exactly. And that's all I'm saying is that ultimately it's trying to think of it as something that's going to be an incredibly uh, multifaceted kind of constellation of opportunity and challenge. And seeing it that way and then when you think about it talking about it in a way that you are always trying in some way to grow it or help it as opposed to getting myopic or provincial about well this thing that i hate i'm gonna it it just doesn't it doesn't i don't know it's not that it doesn't help it's just that to me it gets tired and it's more about like how do we how do we fix the things that aren't working? But more importantly, how do we have ideas to go forward in a way that's going to grow each part of the industry in an exciting and, you know, and, uh, and a really novel way. Cause yeah. it's a novel moment and well, people, it's... they consume things differently. We read things differently. We make things differently. Exactly. The lines are different. We're, we're owned differently by different kind of corporate overlords. There's yeah. different opportunities in indie. There's different competition. There's all of it. There's different opportunity from things being produced as TV film more than ever. Like, yeah. There's so many things happening at once that it's to, to narrow it down and say, let me tell you about what I hate right now. <laughs> yeah. it, so to me, it becomes so microscopic and granular when right. it's like a giant, not only a big phalanx of problems because there are, but it's also a big phalanx of incredible opportunities right now to, ex- to explore, to yeah. try and make comics more robust and richer and, you know, more successful. So it's just, I don't know. This is like the longest. I feel like, I don't even remember if you ever asked me a question. I feel like uh, I think I had one ready to go, but I think we're good as far as. Far yeah. as uh, well, listen. I promise you, next time, unless it, if this gets like the most thumbs down of anything you've ever done. No, trust some me. Way, next time I come on, I will be like the best promoter of my own shit for like ten minutes and out. I will right. be like, no, no, these are the, these are the videos I like. Man who laughs, and guess what? You're the villain, and. When metal, uh, the trade is coming out, and here's a toy. Thing out. Yeah, no, the, no out that, that does not interest me. Like this is the kind of shit that I'm like, oh, this is what we're doing. Like this is what this channel talks about. We don't. We're well, not. And the last thing, just to get personal, like move away from the stuff we're talking about a little bit, is sure. like, I think about it a lot because you know now I, I'm trying to like dive in. My wife and I were having a baby in May, which is like, congratulations, total, sir. I thank you, like. She had a total freak out yesterday, as did I, because we were like, we don't have anything. We don't even have a crib, right. whatever. I was like, holy shit, we don't have a name yet for this baby. Because uh, we, we tried for a while, a few years ago, and it we just we just never worked. And uh, so we were positive we were done. And then all of a sudden, this, and we didn't take it seriously until it was really obvious that it was going to happen. Yeah. Now we're two months out. So a 
lot of the things that I think I, I feel a certain urgency because on the other side of this baby, you know, I have to, I want to take a lot more time both with my family and um, it's not that I'm not going to be writing comics. I'm still writing justice league and that stuff, but I finished Batman who laughs finish um, last night with Capullo. Yeah. Um, and I need to focus a little bit more on being present for, for the last time we're going to go through this stuff. So I'll certainly be really invested and I have a lot of stuff that I have to announce in the fall, like in the summer fall, like over San Diego down yeah. and I'm doing more creator own stuff as well with people. But, um, there's, I have more of a sense of urgency and passion about it right now because I'm invested in DC and the way that corporate, com- the way we're building the stuff that we're building through Year of the Villain into some of the stuff in November, December, that I'm going to be able to be, I think, after this year. Gotcha. Meaning, you know, I'm not, I, I've always said, like, Justice League to me is my big opus, you know. I, I've never done giant sort of cumulative storytelling the way Hickman did or that stuff. I always did thing to thing. Yeah. And this is my kind of love letter to DC. And I don't know that I have it in me to do another thing like this or another big thing where I haven't gotten a chance to do a lot of smaller, like create your own stuff and whatever. So I see it and I mean what I I, I might, I I forgive me for trying, if I'm being like, you know, too zealous or uh, any of that stuff about some of the stuff I'm saying or seem self-righteous because I'm not, it's just, I feel an urgency about it because I'm all in right now and I don't, I don't know how much longer in superhero comics in life. Like I can be as all in as I, as I am this year, just because both family stuff that I want to take advantage of and create our own stuff. And I love what we're doing and our justice league story culminates in, in winter, you know, and I'm, I'm way ahead with all that stuff. And there's a lot of it, like I'm doing my last right now to push something you know, some sp- anyway, like to be somewhat pragmatic. Oh, yeah. I'm doing a story with Greg Capullo. I gave you an image for it. You're welcome to show if you want. Oh yeah, it's so dope, man. Like you had actually plugged this this <laughs> image in the last time we chatted. You were like, uh, "This is one of those pages that you can kind of totally like just fill with color." And he's like, "Yeah, no. it didn't have right, right." It's, I don't think it had color at the time too either. But this one is like now. It's like uh, yeah, the I'm doing this book with Greg Capullo called Last Night on Earth. It's our last Batman story. You know, I don't want to be like the Rolling Stones being like, I won't be singing Satisfaction when I'm 50. And then he's like, you know, still. But I might. Who knows? I might be writing Batman when I'm 70 or 80 years old. But it really is for all intents and purposes. This is the end of our Batman saga where our Batman, it takes him 20 years down the line. And it's very different than anything that we've tried. And it crosses the whole DCU and has everybody in it. Yeah. And I've been working on it privately for about four years. So it's I'm really, really excited about it. It comes out, starts in May from Black Label, um, and doing Batman Who Laughs, which uh, is about uh, a character who has this kind of breakout popularity. It's pretty fun. He he is Bruce's worst nightmare, which is that one day he will kill the Joker. He'll cross that line because he can't take it anymore, and the Joker's heart has a toxin in it that makes whoever kills him the next Joker. And so Batman will be infected and become the evilest and most conniving character the apex predator of the DCU, like the absolute great white shark who always wins. And that character who lived in Batman's nightmares was made material um, in metal and then brought here. So he's running around and doing that. But the book we're doing right now, the Batman who laughs, it's six parts, seven, really, if you count the, we have a one shot in the middle about this Batman. He's like the Punisher Batman, the Grim Knight. Knight, Um, Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's Eduardo Risso. It's killer. It's out next. It's out this month. It's out in like two weeks. Hell yeah. um, and uh, it tells the story of what happened on his planet with him and Jim Gordon 
and the art is just out of control with Eduardo Riso. But um, it's not what you'd expect to. It's not guns and knives. It's actually how he made the whole city his back cave electronically. And I'm really proud of it. But anyway, the point is um, that series is really a spiritual successor to The Black Mirror, which was my first Batman story on Detective with Jock, who's doing Batman Who Laughs with me. Yep. And Francesco Francavilla, who's doing Creator Own with me right now. And uh, so everything is full circle, is my point. Like, I'm finishing my Batman saga with with Greg Capullo and I'm finished, I'm kind of returning to my very first Batman story. Yeah. To do sort of an extension of that thinking with the Batman who laughs with Jock and I'm um, justice league is sort of every character in the biggest, most mythologically kind of ambitious way I could try, I think in that way. So I'm just part of me that feels like this is my way of not wrapping everything up and leaving. Cause I don't have any intention of going anywhere in terms of DC, Yeah, but in terms of, doing sort of giant over the top all my face is always in your face about like every two weeks a comic from me i'm doing this justice league i've been done that for 10 years you know um batman always had to be number one and justice league always has to be driving the line and i love those things but i'm getting older and you know with this other kid on the way too which i'm really excited i love being a dad i want to be able to put a bow on things in a way that i can work at a different capacity and be able to say maybe i'm going to come back and do big events maybe i'll stay and just do justice league the way we're doing it maybe i'll do as many books as i'm doing now but i want to at least feel psychologically and emotionally that i've done the things that at least at this point right in this moment matter the most to me so that I can say I did those to absolutely the best of my ability and spent as much time and effort as I can to make the best books that I can. Yeah. So that if on the other side of this, we have a kid and I really feel like, you know, I, I, I need more time at home than I need more time at home, you know? Exactly. And so that's, that's where I am. So, I mean, that's why I feel so, I think, I don't know. So, um, not just passionate, but almost urgent about it or yeah. so kind of like, cause I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to, you know, I, I just think that I'm going to be able to, I'll always, this is all I ever want to do. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to do movies or TV. I always want to do comics and I have no intention of leaving DC and I want to do American Vampire. That's what I'm going to do after we have the kid. Yeah. And I'm going to keep doing just Justice League is written right now through 30 something. And I'm going to be doing it through, you know, pretty much 50, I think is when our story wraps up, but maybe 45. So there's a lot coming but I'm way ahead and yeah. I'm just trying to make sure that everything I love and want to finish or do right. I'm trying to do right now in case, you know, there's, I need more room for family stuff on the other side for a little bit. So exactly. Now this is one of the few opportunities where you can put your whole self into the work without feeling like you're pulling time away from something that really truly matters. Yeah. You know, and that's it. Like, so anyway, what are that? It's funny. Cause I was going to show you all this. I was like, my kids, now you can hear them. They got home from school. I don't know if you hear them like thumping yeah, around. A little bit, but, but they, it's not distracting. They probably come like down. They're, they always come down and say hi or whatever. But they, um, they because they were coming home, my wife said, so was like, go down in the basement. And I was like, this is our basement. It's like our fridge where we keep like, you know, old beers and whatever. And um, the I was like, right here, because we're reframing stuff. I had all this stuff I realized was cool that was like, we're reframing. I have my my Jim Lee, my Frank Miller, I told you is at, at the framing thing now, but I got my Jim Lee, my from Superman Unchained. You sent it to me out of nowhere. No, I didn't ask for anything. It just oh, came okay. in the mail, which is amazing. Right. So so nice. I, not, if that isn't cool enough, Jim Lee, cause he's so nice. Then sent a picture, a page that he did where he drew my wife into the book 
she's a doctor and he drew her into the book right there talking to lois lane which is the coolest thing ever so she made it her like whole profile on social media oh that's so sweet yeah so i was like i was just my whole plan when i came down here to talk to you was like i'm gonna talk for a little bit we'll talk some comics talk justice league batman who laughs last night and if you gotta run cool yeah cool things i found out and now i've had like a two hour (laughs) i feel like discussion about everything in the industry and you know yeah. like all of our feelings and all that stuff so i really appreciate it sal i, oh, I no, love getting you, this stuff but i promise too like anyone watching this like if you don't want me to talk so much i promise next time i won't but i appreciate <laughs> the opportunity to get to kind of wax poetic or yeah. talk friend to friend almost like there's nobody watching about some of this stuff that's how it feels sometimes it matters like, to us, you well, know because like uh, that's 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 what interests me that's what i want to make and i think that's what people want ultimately even if they don't know it you know like i I always it it frustrates me when uh you know like a video will be like about the man who laughs will do like a ton better than like an interview with scott snyder and it's like motherfucker knows what happened in that you know like he can give you the insight and it's like it's it's it can can you imagine if jack kirby were here and we could just talk to him for like an hour and a half two hours like this is this is where we are now ladies and gentlemen like let's enjoy it and 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 tap this deep font of information i promise like i'll tell you what if you want to do something that's just like what is going on in justice league stream or what is going on in batman who laughs or what's happening with year of the villain i I look i'm 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 old hat at being able to be really on message as well about stuff not not in a political like hey i'm telling you bullshit way but i mean I, I don't have to wander. I can be like, yes, this is what we're doing on this book. This is what, you know. Yeah. So, again, like, I feel – I appreciate the opportunity to get to come on and talk comics at fan to fan and friend to Thank friend you, with you because I know you outside of this stuff. So I feel like it's getting, like, to just hang out with a friend in the middle of the day and talk comics. But if people watching also want me to be more um, – a little bit more pointed in terms of what's coming up in DC, what's going to happen on hot girl, what's happening with Martian Manhunter yeah. or, you know, is Batman going to die and whatever. Like, uh, I'm more than happy to do that stuff too. Cause I'm excited about it. So, but I no, appreciate it. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. Like, I want to know all those things too. It's just like, but I'll find out like, we'll read those, you know, that's all coming. And, well, I'm always uh, happy to spoil anything. You want to ask me like a couple things to spoil as a reward for people listening? For... Sure, let's do it. Yeah, this is the like post uh, postscript where it's like you stay for the interview. Now here's sure. the dessert. What do you got? Um, okay. Uh, which book? Which book? Uh, okay, let's go with Man Who Laughs. Um, I don't want to. Uh, no, I don't want to ruin that book. I like it too much. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Justice League. Uh, you you hinted at some uh, some some romance between Martian Manhunter and Kendra. Are we going to see more of that? Yeah, you are. In fact, like one of the big things we wanted to do is kind of give her a story apart from Carter, who winds up coming back into the mythos. Uh, what Rob is doing, I know, seems separate, but it's not over in Hawkman. And in fact, he plays a really big role in some of the Batman who laughs plans, which is a spoiler, but you know you'll wind up seeing later. Uh, and so the romance between her and Martian Manhunter was something that I felt would work when we started the book mm-hmm. because they're, they're characters that are both really unsure about their real roles in the yeah. mythology that we set up. And so they bond over that. And in this arc in particular, they actually meet their future selves and they have a child named Shane, oh, who's yeah. a combination of both of them and has wings and also telepathic abilities and is more powerful than both of them combined. Oh, that's so, yeah. That's, that's issue 19. You'll see him for the first time. And then he plays a really big role in the whole arc. Oh shit. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, 
they're, they're more like things that I just genuinely want to know. Like, uh, go for it. All right. Um, this is just a question. It's not necessarily a spoiler, but it's more like sure. when you were making Perpetua. Yeah. Did you get a lot of pushback from editorial that was like, really like another cosmic guy that's like even bigger than the, than the monitor or they are like, yeah, Perpetua, go for it, whatever you need. No, I mean, they, they push back a bit. I think it's more like, not because of that, but just because they're worried, they're worried about messing with the big sort of celestial um, mythology. Yeah. But that was set up in metal. I mean, my idea when we pitched metal was to build to this, like not to ruin the idea that there's a source or any of that stuff. But I, the person, honestly, I had, I'm telling you the truth, like in right here, I was in the basement that helped me because I had this idea. It was all the way back in 2017, early 2017, um, maybe in the end of 2016. And I, called Grant um, because he's king of that stuff, you know, like taking concepts and then just blowing your mind by what he's willing to try with them. Yeah. And we had become friends um, while I was on Batman or friendly. And I called him and I was like, I need your help. Like, this is what I'm thinking. I'd like to go beyond the source wall. And, uh, and the funniest part, I don't remember if I told you this last time, but when I was like, uh, he was like, well, what's beyond it? And I was like, well, that's the thing. And so I kind of unrolled this whole mythology about how every multiverse is formed a certain way and a celestial, a super celestial kind of being curates it. And that ours had been formed wrong the first time. And this person was in prison perpetual and she was the mother of the three brothers. And he was like, he, he really, he was super into it. And he gave me an idea that you'll actually see in Justice League 20 about a justice formation, about the way that the multiverse has to sort of, is a machine, almost a musical instrument that needs to be in the right formation. So credit to Grant because he's yeah, amazing. That sounds like Grant. But then he was like, he was like, he was into it. And he's like, I was like, but I'm nervous. I'm like pushing past it, you know, where we are and what if, you know, and he was like, you got to take those opportunities and do them. And he was like, where are you eventually going to go with it? And I told him where I'm going. And he was like, that's good. And he's like, but as they fly through the multiverse, at the end of your story, what you need to do is like, they get to where they're going and what's there, what's the, you know, what do they find on the shores of the absolute opposite end of the, of reality? And he was like, Marvel. And then he was like, mic drop. He was like, that's what you need to do. You're welcome out. And I was like, well, I can't really, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I can't just be like, guess who's on the other side of the source wall, the silver surfer and there's Galactus, you right. know? But um, no, to go back to your question, it was funny because he was like, no, 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 I'm just saying like if you ever needed, you know, the the pitch to them to get them to want to do it, that's what you do. But yeah. for the story, he was really helpful. And the idea was that the pushback is more messing with something that's in place for a long time. And that's my feeling like. has always yeah. been from Black Mirror to now if you have a story that expands or adds, it's worth trying. If you're doing it to tear it down, there's no point, you know? But it, for me, the idea was to go beyond the source wall and create a moment that as much as it doesn't feel like it's intensely reflective of this moment on the surface, it is actually reflective in that it's a moment of tremendous uncertainty and indecision where people are scared in, in different camps. Come in. I got to run in a minute. Okay. Um, but the point is... Um, for me, it really was about trying to trying to do something that would add another layer to this great mythos. And Grant was really helpful with it, which was, you know, Perpetua has really different motivations and and um, and uh, and sort of personality than anyone that we've created before. And the way she started the multiverse, I think, is you'd sympathize with her in a way. She wants something that would live forever. She wants she wants something that won't die by her own hand. And yeah. then 
she's she hates the idea that it's all ephemeral and she's punished for that and so luthor really feels like she was right why should we be so small and meaningless when we were meant to be something godlike i want her to change us into that so that's cool it's something that i feel you know when you feel i i feel depressed or whatever it is and you feel tiny i relate to luthor you want to feel like no i'm bigger than this and more important my life means something and that's what he, you know, so I, lo- I love her for that. That was my pitch to them was basically like she's new and, and she matters because she has a personality that I care about. And this yeah. is what it is. And they went for it right away. They were like, what's the story? How do you get past it? What what happens at the culmination? And I told them, I was like, this is the big post-justice do more. This is where we're headed if you guys let us. And they were like, all right, go for it. So if it all works out, we'll have a giant crescendo in winter a year from now, basically. Very exciting. Scott Snyder, thank you so much for being on the show, man. And uh, pick up the new Justice League. It will be out today when this episode drops. So get okay, it. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But thank you so much for joining me, man. And we'll see. Hopefully, you know, we'll do this again soon. Let's do it. And again, any feedback, I promise. I will be whatever you guys want me to be in terms of I can rein it in or I can go even further. We can talk. Yeah. I mean, I know what I want. But... And be like, let's get even Let further know. into the weeds about, uh, you know, We'll talk like Alan Moore Swamp Thing versus this Swamp Thing versus whatever. Well, we, we can go do that. I mean, like that's comic nerd deep cut as you want. All so, right, yeah. Oh, I could go. Do, we could go nerdy. Like we could do that. But uh, let us know in the comments down below what you want to see, and we'll uh, we'll do it next time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And thanks, Sal. Of course. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. So long. And then I cut the show. Yeah. How did I, was that terrible? No, I, I, I mean, like that's what I want to watch. Like that's the kind of shit okay. I like. So. Well, feel free if there's any question about like cutting things down to make things better, go.